Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, September 29th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'm joined today by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We'll talk some NFL Week 4, including some breaking news here for Tuesday morning. We'll take a look at the Preakness Stakes as well, with the post-position draws having taken place yesterday. We'll give you some thoughts on that race for a highlight video over on our ATS YouTube page. Lots of stuff going on over at ATS.io for you to check out. Got plenty of coverage already for week four in the NFL. Coverage of the Major League Baseball playoffs, including my thoughts on today's edition of the Betters Box. We'll be talking about the NBA Finals over there as well. And of course, we cover the industry with news, notes, different states that are starting to embrace sports betting. Some of the best sports book promotions that are out there for this week. We talk about all of it over at ATS.io. And we encourage you to check all that out. With that, we bring on today's guest, and that is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, Adam. Uh, well, we both woke up to, I guess, uh, you know, the elephant in the room, uh, the, the news of the uh, positive COVID test with the Tennessee Titans and the impact this is going to have uh, on the Titans game this week. Keep a very watchful eye on Minnesota, who they played, and then you and I were sitting there. Can you imagine just what a jumbled mess this becomes? We're looking down the road. We're trying to figure, well, how do you make this up? And they've got some bi-week windows, let's call it in the first half to two-thirds of the season. Uh, But, again, it's such a fluid thing uh, that we have to watch this so closely. Yeah, we most definitely do, and we'll we'll expand on that a little bit here in a second, but – the Stanley Cup was handed out last night to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the bubble worked for the NHL. And, and now you start talking about, you know, what happens with the upcoming regular season when they decide to play that. You know, players kind of saying, look, I don't know if I can do this bubble thing for, you know, several months of a regular season. Uh, you had players kind of talking about, you know, the different conditions, some in Toronto, some in Edmonton, the differences between the two bubble cities. But the fact of the matter is they got it done and they got a champion crowned. Yeah, hats off to the NHL. They really did an amazing job, and, you know, per their reporting, uh, not one positive test. But, yeah, you're right. I think we're looking at likely January 1st, something along those lines. They'll play. You'll be dishing the cup out again next year in the summer in August. Um, and then by that time, you hope we, we get back to normal. But they let's give them full marks. They did a remarkable job. Uh, this is going to be a crazy few weeks coming up now. But the draft is right around the corner. Uh, they're going to be massive trades, more so than I think we, we're accustomed to. We always say, oh, boy, watch the activity on the draft floor this year. Well, if, if it's ever going to be nutty, it's going to be this year because with the flat salary cap moving forward. And let's throw expansion into the loop, too, with Seattle coming and guys that are uh, teams are going to lose guys. They're going to start doing preemptive strikes, massaging their roster go, well, we're going to absolutely lose a great player. We know when expansion comes, so we're better off making a deal now uh, to to get something and then protect certain guys. Um, I think it's going to be really active here in the offseason, and the offseason is very short. Yeah, it definitely is. It'll be interesting to watch, and you know we'll be, uh, we'll be keeping up with that. I know you'll keep up with that a lot on Vegas Hockey Hotline as well. The NBA Finals, too. I mean, the NBA has gotten this bubble thing done, and those will start here. Pretty shortly, LeBron and the Lakers, of course, back in it once again, taking on the Miami Heat. 
But again, you know, I mean, the, the bubble format seems to work and we've got Major League Baseball doing that for their playoffs. And, you know, we talk about the NFL and they've got a hardship now. We'll see if they try to do a playoff bubble down the line. But hey, at least there's that. I mean, you know, the credit to the NBA, too. They got through this thing pretty much without a hitch. Right. And the one thing I would say, just not to uh, just to move on from hockey, but uh, the fact that and I don't know what you've heard in, in relation to one of the NBA things, they'll start next year. Uh, but the one thing, the NHL specifically, I mean, you know, you look at the NFL, it is as bad as this is for all of us, the kind of dough each team gets from the TV deal. I mean, your head's above water. That's not the case for the NHL. What does the American Hockey League do? The, the, you know, they can't survive. They need gate receipts. That That's how you... That's how you fund, you know, the whole system of the game. You know, they're going to hold out as long as they can. Later is better. They need fans to the point where, and, and to move on from hockey, but the thing that I would think could happen, they may be the first one that gives us the real indicator of what it's going to be like moving forward. Because I think you'll see situations like, pick a team. I mean, you could do, um, Vegas, for argument's sake, Vegas will go to L.A. Uh, for a week, you know, and they'll play uh, Anaheim, then L.A., Anaheim, then L.A. You'll you'll go into a, a city and and play a, like L.A. would be perfect. Play a boatload of teams, or if Edmonton has to play in Vegas twice, Edmonton's going to come in here, and they'll fly in on a Thursday and they'll play Friday, Sunday. So they'll they'll get. They're going to minimize travel as much as humanly possible. Then you have the border to deal with where I don't know that they're going to do it, and we don't know where this virus is going to go. They may rethink and even realign for a year and do something along the lines, okay, well, here's a Canadian division uh, it, it, just to get through the regular season. The bubble thing worked at the end, but to you know plot a course for an 82-game season with 31 teams is just daunting. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I mean, again, these these leagues kind of have to read and react to everything that's going on. And, and as you mentioned, you know, everything very fluid situation here. And I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about that. And this will be a highlight video for us over on our ATS YouTube page with our thoughts on week four. And I guess, you know, the starting point here kind of is this whole situation with the Tennessee Titans. Three players, five staff members, it would appear. Uh, they say five personnel, team personnel. So, you know, maybe some coaches, some position group coaches, somebody else in the traveling party, all that. But for the most part, Steelers, Titans off the board right now. Same thing with Vikings and Texans. And hey, can I can I interrupt and ask you a question? Um, the advanced line for Pittsburgh, Tennessee was Tennessee minus three, minus two, minus three. And then Monday, this thing opened up with the Steelers a one and a half point favorite. You know, winning on the road, I don't care who you're playing, it's not easy in the NFL. Tennessee was life and death to beat Minnesota, so be it. Um, but you look at Pittsburgh, uh, you know, they get a win. Uh, again, they beat the Giants in Denver without their quarterback, basically. And, okay, they beat a, a Houston team that I think is capable of being pretty good. But none of, none, none of what I saw this past weekend would do anything to flop the favorite all around. Do you think there was wind to this? Before the announcement on a Tuesday morning that that something was amiss with Tennessee, I think it's certainly possible. You know, I mean, because I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around why why did this number move so much? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair question to ask. You know, I mean, uh, I know Tennessee's had some offensive issues without A.J. Brown, and, you know, it seems like he's going to be out a little bit longer than anticipated. He's not worth four but... points. No, he's not. And, and that's dude, that's one of the things, and it's funny because I, I talked to a professional handicapper buddy of mine, and, you know, he was spending some money on some odd screens this year, spending a little bit more than usual on them because he's like, these numbers are probably going to move from some inside information. And and he was well, thinking about it more in the context of college football, where, you know, news isn't as in your face as it is with the uh, NFL, but well, I'm pretty good at this. I, you know, I, I advanced wager Tennessee minus two. You know, and then I'm sitting here going, what Pittsburgh's favorite. I'm going, what? Well, I'm an idiot. I'm like, what, what did I miss there? I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Tennessee at home to me, the, the toughest match that Pittsburgh would have to this point in the season. Um, I, you know, I advanced wager Tennessee, and then I see this number go, well, they might be shying away from that maneuver a little bit. I got two of the three that I advanced wagered right, but not that one. Yeah, it, it, it seems like there there were there was some funny business with this line yesterday, and, and maybe some of these whispers did come out. And, you know, I mean, I, I imagine the NFL is trying to keep everything as tight-lipped as they possibly can, but stuff's always going to leak out. And, you know, especially here, too, as we've got more and more states that, you know, have legal sports betting, you know, Nash or uh, Tennessee, excuse me, going to get it here later this year. You know, those are things that maybe some of these local jurisdictions, people find stuff out. It winds up, you know, creating some sort of buzz out there in the betting markets and, I, I mean, I, it's probably going to continue happening as we go forward, whether it's regular injury news uh, or COVID-related injury news. But like I told you, I think the most important thing in all of this is what happens with the Vikings? Do they get positives? If it's mm-hmm. isolated to Tennessee as having it in-house, that's one thing. If it's something that could have been spread over the course of a game from one team to the other, from one player to the other – that's where the NFL kind of gets a little bit more dicey. So that's the situation I'm following. We did this stuff throughout the pandemic. We were doing the the audio podcast and uh, it's funny, you know, sports is back. Okay. We got no NASCAR and horse racing and no, wait a minute. Now sports is back and we're watching sports and there are no fans there. And and we, now we're, you you know, we're, we're creatures of, I don't know, it's habit, but I mean, we're kind of taking it for granted. Okay, it's back, and let's figure out how this goes. But we talked about this from day one, that, you know, football, you know, the third play of a game, the guy's running and stumbles and gets hit, and the ball's on the carpet. Eight guys jump in a pile. The guy at the bottom of the pile's got COVID. Did the seven guys on top of the pile get COVID? You know, we, we talked about this stuff all summer long, we're kind of acting like it doesn't exist again, and I I don't know, buddy. Here, this is a this is a weird one. It definitely is, and and we'll see how it all plays out. And like I said, I guess the most important thing you know in this equation here is, I mean, look, it, it could go through the Titans roster, and obviously that creates a major issue, you know, with their game this week, their game next week, their game the week after, stuff like that. But to me, that's what I want to say. I, I want to know if any Vikings wind up getting it. And if there's a way, I don't know if there is or not, to definitively point to that player having gotten it over the course of that game, you know, who knows? I mean, obviously they're doing all their contact tracing and quarantining and all that, but, you know, is this something that can get spread over the course of a game? Uh, maybe we find out here. I, I I don't know. It's 
Let's hope not. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I, I honestly, I mean, with each passing day, you, you look, you tell me in your backyard that things, like, I, they just have the car race here, right? They have the NASCAR race here. And, you know, Vegas has come down. Now the numbers are, are coming up a little bit. Well, Vegas, I think, you know, Vegas is it's a tourist city. So people are going to be coming here all the time. And, you know, how you ever completely wrap your arms around this this thing, I don't know. But if you're going to open bars again, uh, they just had the car race here. I mean, that place is cavernous. You're telling me you couldn't have put ten to 15,000 fans out there and they wouldn't have got it within 100 yards of each other. And how many hotel rooms would that have been and, and make money for the city? And... You know, I don't know. I'm no rocket scientist. I don't know what the right answer is, but it's like, well, wait a minute. If you're going to open bars, why wouldn't you go to have this outdoor event and you're going to, and you have people drive in here every weekend from California. Why wouldn't you have had some fans at at the car race? It's it's the mixed messaging and the lack of, I don't know. is, Is there a universality of this? I don't know. Stuff like that drives you nuts. What do we do? I don't know. I mean, you know, the Browns are allowed to have 6,000 fans. Now the Bengals will have fans this week for their game against Jacksonville, up to 6,000. The Indians can't have any for the playoffs, you know? And, I mean, it's Uh, just... Hey, let me tell you. Let's just get on that front and move on. But I think it's safe to say um, there are some people that are fortunate the luckiest people on the planet with all that's going on right now is every player on the Philadelphia Eagles. They are the luckiest people on God's green earth that there are not fans that can go to games in Philadelphia. They're the lucky winners. That's true. It's very true how things have gone. Could you imagine the Eagles fans going for a tie against the Bengals? Ay, ay, ay. All right, well, with that, we're going to do a highlight video here taking a look at some games for week four that Brian and I have some interest in, some games that, you know, whether we've got some financial interest or just some rooting interest or just games that, quite frankly, outright pique our interest here for this week. And we'll run through them by rotation number here for you. Beginning with game 259-260, Cleveland and Dallas. Dallas laying four and a half in this one. Total 55-55 and a half. This one has gone up a little bit. Uh, from where the look-ahead line was. But, Brian, this was a game that you mentioned to me before we started recording here. What is it about this Cleveland-Dallas game that stands out to you? Well, the NFC East is hot garbage, uh, for starters. Uh, But I look at Dallas. Okay, you lose a hard-fought game to the Rams. 2017 was the final. Well, Atlanta can't stop a good college team. Um and we know the comeback thing, and it happened again to the Falcons. So the Cowboys win that 40-39. Then you're playing the Seahawks, and Russell Wilson at the moment can't be stopped. So everybody's like, well, this Dallas defense is, is, is a train wreck. I just think it was a function of the two teams that they played. And good for the Browns. They got a winning record right now. Um, and I know th- there's a lot of positivity going on there. I just I got a funny feeling this is like a, a Dallas kind of game where there's a pretty pretty salty start to a schedule. And, you know, Cleveland gets mauled by Baltimore, and that's a complete throwout because Baltimore mauls everybody in opening week. But Cleveland's played 
Cincinnati and Washington. All right, well, you better beat them. And they did. But I, I think this is a week where Dallas gets well. You know, I, I think Cleveland's still very much a work in progress. Um, and I think I think Dallas has the weapons on offense. I think they I, I thought they made a big mistake trying to get involved in a track meet with Russell Wilson. I don't know why you're just, you know, not hammering Elliott and trying to shorten the games. But I I just I think this is a get well spot for Dallas personally. I, I agree with that. I agree with that take to be sure. I mean, look. You know, the Browns, I mean, they were plus five in turnover margin last weekend. Dwayne Haskins had three really awful interceptions. And the Browns just, they never put distance in that game. I know they wound up covering the number late, and kudos to them for that. But they had under five yards per play in that game against that Washington defense. And Washington got to Baker. They harassed him a little bit. Baker didn't make a whole lot of good throws in that game. You've got to make good throws to keep pace with Dak Prescott and this Dallas offense. And the Browns secondary, they're still banged up. We'll see if Greedy Williams can give it a go this week. But I agree with you. I, I like Dallas in that spot this week. I know the Browns have a couple of wins. They're over 500 for the first time since the end of the 2014 season. December 14th, I think, uh, 2014. Good for them. It's great. But, you know, the fact that they're 2-1 and one doesn't obscure the fact that, you know, they, they have not put distance in the games they should against Cincinnati and Washington. They've done really well in the turnover department. But you probably don't do that against Dallas, who takes good care of the football. So I, I agree with you on that one. The funny thing is, Adam, and a lot of the stuff we talk about, you know, on a week to week basis, things that make sense. Was right on one, wrong on the other. I thought, I thought, I really thought Houston was going to uh, win the game outright against Pittsburgh. You play Baltimore, Kansas City, you're 0 and 2, and you're desperate. I think it was more a function of, maybe not giving Pittsburgh enough credit because I do think Pittsburgh, they can punch you in the mouth and they got a good defense. Um, you know, so may I sold Pittsburgh short. It was more the situation. I think we got Bill O'Brien too, because Houston played you know, a very good first half shut out in the second half. Yeah, that's possible. And, and thinking Deshaun Watson will channel his inner Russell Wilson in the season. It's definitely on the line this week, but the one I was right on was Detroit. Um, just love Detroit at Arizona. Detroit played the Bears' hard-fought game, you know, squandered it. Then they get lit up by Green Bay, who's playing at a very high level right now. Uh, but them getting Galladay back was a big deal, and he gets a touchdown, and uh, whatever. It's more situational stuff, and that that's where I'm going with this Browns-Cowboys thing. I'm not dismissing that the Browns are heading in the right direction. I just don't think... I think the company that Dallas has been keeping, I, I just I don't think their defense is such a dog's breakfast. I think it's a function of who you've been playing. You know, the, and the other thing, if, if you're going to find trends and things, the well, we're going to get to it, I guess. We're going to talk about the Monday night game, the Atlanta game? Yeah, we'll talk about it. Okay. Well, we'll I'll, I'll get to that point when, when we get to that. But, but I, I think it's, you know, who you've been playing. I mean, they've, Dallas has been playing some, you know, electrifying offenses. Oh, by the way, I mean, the Rams, you know, look, look at what they did. Got their finally got their offense. I mean, really rolling in the second half. So playing a low-scoring game against uh, the Rams, Dallas's defense was certainly fine that night. I think the other two weeks were just a function of who you're playing. Well, another game that you wanted to touch on here, and I know that you've recorded a, a video on your own that I'll post over on the ATS YouTube page later on today for game two seventy three, two seventy four, New England and Kansas City. 
Kansas City touchdown favorite in this one, total 53 and a half or 54. Very impressive performance from the Chiefs last night. Seems like they have Baltimore's number or at the very least have Harbaugh's number. What about them laying a touchdown here this week against the visiting New England team? Oh, boy. See, I said, let's talk about that game because I want your help. And, in fact, the video I did, I apologize to the viewers, probably didn't help you at all. But just to talk about the myriad of angles and things that are in play in this game. Belichick, we know what he does. He takes away your best weapon. Uh, The Raiders go into Foxborough. The kid Waller, the tight end, was just a monster for them. They blanket, they under-covered him. Um, there were even times they threw Stefan Gilmore on him and all of a sudden there are, you know, cars looking around like where's Waller. Well, he was covered and that's what Belichick does. But how does he do that with Kansas city? Okay. I'm going to take Kelsey away and all right, I, let's, we'll design this. We'll take Kelsey and Hill away. Well, you still got Edwards Hilaire. You've got Watkins. Uh, you can break it down over the top. I, I, I never can remember. What's the kid's Hardman, name? Hardman, McCall Hardman. Thank you, the kid from Georgia, right? Yep. Yeah, I can never remember his name. It's like it's like calling the Chargers San Diego to me. It's I, hard, man. I've got to get this, this poor Hardman kid because he, he's just like a rocket sled over the top. And if you're taking the other two guys away, the, the other guys can kill you. So, I, you know, Belichick's going to really have to dial something up. But the thing is, for me... Rank the best running quarterbacks in the NFL. I'll throw that at you. Uh, Lamar Jackson, one. Yeah. Probably Kyler Murray, two. No. No. I I would say Kyler Murray, two, and then Cam Newton, three. Well, I would put I would put I would put Josh Allen, two. Okay. Um, and then you know Murray and then Newton. I mean, what Allen's been doing with his feet's unbelievable. Right. Mahomes can run. He just, you know, never oh, really has to. By the way, it, it it took a while to get there, but I bet over 19 and a half rushing yards. I'm I'm watching this Monday night game last night, you know. You know here's the game of the year and plus three and a half and this and the total and this and that. And my bet on the game was Mahomes over 19 and a half rushing yards. Uh, you know, it took a while to get there, but but it, like he can get it on one run. Oh, yeah. he, he had, I think he was at 15, and then he busted off a, about a 20-yard run. Um, that's the beauty of all the options that are available to you with these games. I, the, the only thing, and you mentioned it, Kansas City's like, we're the Super Bowl champs, and they punched them in the mouth. Oh, yeah. And Mahomes is like, yeah, good. You're the MVP. I got the ring, right? I mean, uh it's a, it's a one-off. It ain't the end of the world for Baltimore. And then maybe down the road, we're talking about revenge for them. But did, did Kansas City invest so much in that game of the year, short work week? The letdown is going to be the one thing people will talk about because this number was six and a half. It went. It's, it was six and a half before the game was played because the Sharps were worried about the letdown. That was professional money, worried about the letdown. Then they win the game so impressively, the line's sitting at seven. I don't know that it ever comes off off seven, but it's compelling. But to me, the way they handle Lamar Jackson, are they really losing sleep over Cam Newton? I wouldn't think so. I mean, you know, look, Newton's look Newton didn't look good last week. He looked very good the week before in the game against Seattle. Last week he had some issues, some erratic throws, stuff like that. But 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of it's a similar game plan here. You know, you you plan to stop the quarterback run, and if Newton wants to beat you with his arm, you give him the chance to do it because he probably won't. And and that's the thing, you know, Lamar Jackson has improved so much as a passer, and then we didn't see it last night. And probably just a function of what Kansas City does and what Kansas City is able to do, and and how great of a head coach Andy Reid is. Andy Reid's going to have probably the same game plan or something maybe a little bit different this week, yeah. and it'll be up to Belichick to to counterpunch. And I I don't know, you know, I don't know what that looks like. It, it's an interesting game because again, you see Belichick getting seven, and I know. it is very hard not to take it. But the, the one thing with New England, I mean, they're well coached, they're fundamentally sound, and the defense is still good. But I think as the weeks go on here. I mean, teams, see, here's the rub. Last week, they easily handled the Raiders. They, you know, they get turnovers, but they ran the football. The one thing New England couldn't even do last year with a great team is they couldn't run the football. Well, last week, out of nowhere, Haley's Comet, Michelle gets 100 yards rushing. Uh, the Burkhead guy's a, a kind of a threat, and it's this running back by committee thing. But the, but the point is, New England just really can't run the football. Uh, with consistency. But if you're going to say, we're going to put a spy on Newton and we're putting six, seven in the box, eight in the box, and if you're going to make Cam Newton beat you through the air, so you're going Cam Newton versus Patrick Mahomes, who the hell are you picking? Oh, yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. I completely agree. It's a, it's going to be a great X's and O's kind of game to see how those two coaches sort of play off of each other and, and all that should be a whole lot of fun. In that one. What about game 275-276 here in your backyard at the giant Roomba Allegiant Stadium? Buffalo and Las Vegas. The Bills, two and a half or three, depending on where you look. A lot of the threes do have reduced juice attached to them. Total up on this game into the 52 range now, which I think is a testament to what Buffalo is doing offensively. Yes. And what they're not doing defensively. I mean, the past few years, the first year, Josh Allen had nobody. He had no weapons. I mean, no one. And last year, they brought in John Brown and Cole Beasley. Nice additions, but not like, hey, wow, look at your number one wideout. Now you've got Diggs, Brown, Beasley, a running game, a better offense. Allen's, you know, and all the the heat that poor kid took, he had nobody. He had no help. And, and their thing was they won games with defense. They the defense was for three years in a row in the top three. Now the defense is the the Miami game. You were missing Edmonds and Milano in the middle, and that was a gift. The over in that game. This past week, they were mauling the Rams. Now you sit there and say it's just one of those weird things when you get a big lead to say keep going. But you take your foot off the pedal, and that game turned on a dime. And then Buffalo's offense went quiet for a few series, and it was a it was a perfect storm. First half perfect storm for the Bills. Second half perfect storm for the Rams. How good might this football team be if the defense gets anywhere near where they've been? And they thought they upgraded the defense. So I I think Buffalo's a real dangerous football team. Um, but what, what Allen's doing and they're doing offensively. They got a level of confidence going right. And I can I can I have one little little uh, soapbox beef? Sure, why not? Full full disclosure. 
Um, you know, I'm a monster Bills idiot. But I don't sit there and just burn my money on the bill. I played the over in the Miami game. I was leery of going on the road in the but I played the over. I don't sit here and bet the bills blindly. Um I did have the bills. Um, I got the minus one and a half. I, I did like them against the Rams because I couldn't understand. You know, when we do these podcasts, Adam, we've been doing these. It's, it's just kind of the blanket thing of a summation of all the things we always talk about. If we were just picking two teams, a West Coast team traveling east for an early game, two really good football teams, right? It would come up in the discussion. Well, you got to be leery of the West Coast team traveling east and playing the early football game on their body clock. That would have been a discussion. Just two t- how, about, how about a team that had to play on the East Coast, fly home, and come back and do the same exact thing again? You'd be like, right. they'll be asleep at the switch. That's what happened. The Bills jumped all over them. You know, to their credit, uh, the Rams' personal pride, and they, they got punched in the mouth, and they come fighting back. But though those are just generic things that we talk about and then things that make sense. And then the other thing, but I watched the Bills now three weeks in a row. And they keep saying the same stuff about Josh Allen. When are they going to get off this kid's neck? You know, the, the, the inaccuracy and the this and the that. Three where two of the last three weeks, they were behind in Miami, they're behind in this. And these announcers, I'm like, do you guys like even read game notes when you prepare for these games? Different crews saying the same thing. Well, you know, he's done a lot of good things, and look what he's done here. And, and, and but this is this is now in, in his developmental stage. You know, can he come through in the big moment? You know, this this is one we'll we'll learn about where jo- he led the league last year in fourth quarter comebacks. He had seven fourth quarter comebacks last year. The, the one game he didn't do it was the Houston game, and I don't the playoff game, and it wasn't him. It was the idiotic play calling. They're eight yards away from field goal range to win the game, and they throw three passes when Singletary was getting eight yards at a pop. I mean, I blame the play calling, not Allen, and he did go haywire a little in the game. But it's like, do they even watch these? This kid's got ice water in his veins. He might make a box of rocks playing here and there, but he ain't afraid of nothing or nobody. And they keep saying, well, we'll see if he if he's up, up to this. He led the league. He's got nine game-winning drives. He led the league in fourth-quarter comebacks last year, and he just did it two of the first three weeks. And they're acting like it's a brand-new thing. Well, it, look, by and large, across the board, I don't like a lot of the commentary that's out there, and I certainly don't like a lot of what the color commentators chime in with because it is mostly that. It's lazy-ass narratives, or it's whatever they got meeting with whichever players they cherry-picked or yeah. whatever they heard from the coach. No. There aren't enough, and I know that you're not a metrics guy, but there's not enough statistical analysis on a broadcast. There's not enough that the color commentators contribute other than these proliferating, these lazy narratives. Like, I mean, look, Josh Allen, it is perfectly fair to say that Josh Allen wasn't great at the start of his career because he didn't have a whole lot to work with around him. And he has developed and grown as the Bills have developed and grown around him offensively. And it's perfectly fine to say, look, at this point in time, Josh Allen is a good quarterback. Is it a product of what's around him or a product of him tapping into his potential? I don't know that for sure. But again, the lazy narrative thing is just, <laughs> it kills me no matter what sport it is. And that's why a lot of times I'll mute games and just listen to Spotify oh. and listen to music or something. Because <laughs> otherwise it just, it makes my blood pressure go up too high. And I already don't need that. Uh, it's one of those days I need a chuckle. My buddy's. 
Uh, he, he's a camera guy. And it's a, oh, it, it was a Browns-Bills game. Uh, whatever it was. It had to be about five years ago. And they're doing the pregame thing on the sidelines. Now, I guess but Emmett Smith, right, was uh, on, remember that? He was on the, oh, yeah. I guess, the ESPN broadcast. So literally, it's like uh, the minute before the thing's going to start, the show started, and uh, <laughs> Emmett Smith looks out to my buddy. He goes, "Hey, boss." He goes, "What's the what's the Bills record?" <laughs> right, and so my friend goes, and "There's uh, five and three. Right, the music starts playing for the open. Right, and he goes, "Hey, man." He goes. What's the Browns record? And my friend goes, I'm not telling you. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, that, this is what you're getting, man. This is like. I, look, I, I fully appreciate ex-players and ex-coaches and stuff being able to break down the game from an X's and O's standpoint. That's great. But, man, you try to put any level of of analysis that's not related to exactly what they're seeing, and they a lot of them just don't get it. And I know, yeah, you didn't play the game. You never listen. I'm telling you, I watched the Rams did it again. All these teams do it. Uh, the Saints do it all the time. The timeouts, Adam. I, mean, I, I do it. It's my annual soapbox. My brother's 11 years older than me. Since I've been like, and I so said, this is all on him. He taught me this when I was like 10 years old. That. Take the five-yard penalty. You get a one-possession game, and you're taking it. Most of the time, they'll take the timeout, third and 17. What do you got on third and 17? Take the five yards and punt. You're going to run a draw or a screen. Or if you're on offense coming in and you get a first down, you're at the 28, first and goal, or first down and 10 at the 28 coming in. Oh, timeout. Take the five yards. Do you think those teams do, wouldn't want the timeout at the end of the game? you think the Saints wouldn't have wanted a timeout at the end of the Raiders game? I said both of those teams, squandering timeouts. How do they not understand that those are oxygen tanks? And I don't – there's there's like so such a small window of what are actual – yeah, okay, it's worth it. Take the timeout. Just take the five yards. Those things – you should even consider those things until the final five minutes of a game. And all these teams throw them away like they don't even matter. It's it's frustrating to watch a lot of the coaching decisions that are out there. And, and it's frustrating to watch teams, you know, go into a shell and play prevent defense and, and all those types of things, too. I mean, I, I never understand it. You build a big lead and then you go completely away from what got you the big lead. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it, it blows it's my mind. It's befuddling. The, the, yeah, the, you're, you're mauling a team, just mauling them. All right, we're up seventeen. So let's go to the you know, uh, let's go to the two two deep zone and give them all the underneath stuff. Well, they scored, but it took them five minutes. Yeah, but they wouldn't have scored. And uh, three and out. Oh, they got it back. No, they scored again, but it, it took them another four minutes. Yeah, but now there's a minute twenty left in the game, and if they get an onside kick back or one three and out, and they were smart and kept their timeouts, all you did was give them a chance. And they all do it. Oh, yeah. They all do it. Never I mean, okay, you, you you think, okay, you're worried about the guy beating you over the top. But if, if your defense, if you're terrorizing a quarterback 
and it's worked for three and a half quarters. Why are you giving him something that he couldn't find all game? I agree. I completely agree. I'd like to ask the Atlanta Falcons the same thing because I was on them this weekend against the Chicago Bears. But in any event, to circle back to this Buffalo and and Las Vegas game, I know we kind of went off on a couple of tangents here, but no, it's all good. So, I mean, what do you like in this game where Buffalo, you know, is is pretty much minus three market-wide? At the moment... I would I would have to lean to the over in the game, um, but but Vegas, you did take Buffalo below three earlier in the week. Yeah, I've already got I got Buffalo minus two and a half with the advance wager. Um, Milano and Edmonds are back, but the Bills did struggle stopping Hendersons. So I think if the Raiders don't get sucked into a track meet game, if the Raiders Honestly, I think it's correlated. I, I think it, you know, it's Raiders and under or Bills and over. I think that their game plan should be just hammer Jacobs as much as they possibly can. Um, the Raiders are really an injured mess, and in, in the wideout position, um, you know, the Rugs kid's not a hundred percent. I think the Bills, the Bills are going to put up a lot of points. I, I, I do believe the Raiders are capable of putting up a lot of points. Um, I'm le- I'm leaning to to the over, but I'm I'm just a little leery of. Oh, okay, you know the score we saw last week. The thing is, too, Adam, it's not. Let's just cut to the chase. This is not normal, right? How all summer long we've talked about third down conversions for visiting teams, moving the sticks, not dealing with crowd noise. Um, I, I think bad teams are bad teams, but teams with, you know. Ex- exceptional offenses going on the roads to walk in the park for these guys. And you're, you're, you're seeing some of these totals and you're seeing some of the scores that are being played in these games that Aaron Rodgers is going into new Orleans and he's not dealing with that crowd noise. He's going to terrorize you. That is, and I, I think the, the level of the quarterback, you know, I mean, a bad quarterback's a bad quarterback, but if, the middle-tier guy's even better than a middle-tier guy, and the exceptional guys are off the charts. Look at the numbers at Raj, uh, um, Wilson, Rogers, Mahomes. Look at, look at the, the kind of things they're doing. And uh, on the road, and you think it was a scrimmage. Well, and that's one here. This will be the last game we talk about, and you do have a solo video that I'll edit and put up on our ATS YouTube page here today. But the Monday night game between Atlanta and Green Bay, I mean, we're talking about a total of 58 here. And we're talking about an Atlanta offense that looked pretty good for three quarters, you know, against the Bears. Didn't look so good after that. Looked good against the Cowboys for most of the game. That was one of those strange, fluky losses. But you've got to th- I mean, Matt LaFleur has got Green Bay firing on all cylinders offensively right now. And Dan Quinn's a dead man walking for Atlanta. So, you, I mean, total's 58 here, but is it possible to step in front of this thing and bet the under? That's a good question. No, it'd be the over, if anything, for me. Of all the things, do you remember Jameis Winston? The, I was at his senior year. I think it was him uh, at Florida State where it was an ATM machine. They couldn't get out of their own way in the first half. And then they put the rally cap on and come roaring back. I mean, it was fade him in the first half, play him in the second half. It, it happened like... Eight out of ten weeks. It was it was a license to print money. 
Is the best bet in this game, seriously, take Atlanta plus four and a half in the first half? Could be. I mean, the, uh, the only thing it, I would it, worry about is we, we talked about it, it earlier in the year, though. Green Bay is a great first quarter team. So that's the only worry that I would have. But it's pretty clear. And I mean, look, we like we mentioned, we got Bill O'Brien last week. You know, the, the bad coaches are bad in the second half because the, the other coaches, you know, outfox them. They make the adjustments. Yeah. I, I think maybe, you you know, you could say Atlanta first half, Green Bay second half. And, and I don't think that that's you know out of the realm of possibility. Well, I mean, look at the losses. I mean, okay, Seattle's playing great. Um, they gave the gave the Dallas game away. In Dallas, gave it away. Just gave it away. And then, okay, they get the lead. They said they don't know how to protect the lead. They blow the game to Foles and the Bears. They come out of the game and they execute offensively. Now, Julio Jones, I don't know what, what his status is going to be, but the Ridley guys, he's Julio Jones now. It's Calvin Ridley, and oh, by the way, they go to Julio Jones. Um I just think Atlanta comes out of the gate again. Uh, but I've never, the reason I thought we should talk about it, I'm 99% sure. Um, I saw that total. I'm like, wait a minute. That's the highest posted total I could ever see. An opening number, an NFL game, 58. Unbelievable. Like I said, there was a Super Bowl that got to 60. Um, was but it, that the uh, number would have been up a full two weeks. I'm telling you, right, this right. is an opener. Right. Yeah, no, no, I mean, it's... And uh, I'll guarantee you, the, 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 the total that got this... I, I shouldn't say I guarantee, but I bet you something was... A, it, it probably the opener was probably something like a 55 and a half, 56. And, yeah, and, I mean, it's... And, and it, just, it was a runaway freight train uh, with steam, right? But for an opener of 58, this thing could get to 60, you know? Dating back to 2016, the highest total in a regular season game is Falcons and Saints, total of 58. Week seventeen of the twenty sixteen season, Whoa. so we're we're Whoa. already up at that now, that, and it could that, keep. That going. was the closing number. Yeah, it was a closing number. I bet you the opener wasn't fifty eight. I mean, that's that my point. I've never seen an opener of fifty eight ever. Right. No, it's it's high, and, and quite frankly, it's it's probably justified. I mean, Green Bay is doing whatever they want on offense, and, and Atlanta's defense is clearly not good. So uh, a lot of thoughts here. Let me say this this week, but you know. <laughs> You know, like the, the the week will come. You know that total. The total's fifty eight, and you get a thirteen ten game. Oh yeah. Oh, it'll it'll happen. It's bound to happen. And again, you know, overs have been you know pretty high profile here so far in this NFL season. So we'll see if maybe this is the week that you know the numbers have been high enough, and maybe we get some unders. But you know, as you mentioned, I think uh, the crowd noise thing kind of playing a factor. A lot of these quarterbacks doing whatever they want. Uh, a lot of factors here with a lot of early season scoring in the NFL. And hopefully you've enjoyed this week four highlight video on our ATS YouTube. Again, uh, you know, most of the show here on ATS radio, but we certainly encourage you to subscribe to the audio versions of the show here as well. Brian, we'll give ourselves a quick break here before we do another highlight video for the Preakness. But uh, I know you did a video for us on the upcoming NASCAR race at Talladega, uh, the second one here in the round of 12. And, a surprising winner last week in Vegas and Kurt Busch. That was one of those where it happened, and it's rare that it happens. Um, and it was a bad beat for me. I had um, Elliott to win the race, and I did a group matchup parlay with Elliott and Bowman. And they were running either first, second, or third the entire race. And and they were like miles, miles, laps ahead of everybody. And... 
it was everybody cycled through with green flag pit stops, and all the leaders pitted with like 30 to go, green flag pit stops. They're cycling back through, and there's a yellow, and a lot of the inferior cars stayed out, had been out, stayed out. They were all of a sudden, the cars that were dominant were restarting with 20 laps to go in the 12 to 14 range. And it, 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 remarkable, Kurt Busch able to get a win here in his own backyard. And that just upsets the apple cart here in this playoff thing because now he advances automatically. You know, this was the start of the, the round of uh, eight. He's got a W. He's in. And now you go to Talladega where these guys need a diaper when they're driving around because the big accident can take everybody out. And this is the race where you, you do bet a bomb. Uh, the bomb went off in Vegas, very rare, but it happened that the, the good cars couldn't make it up. But a guy like Kurt Busch is dangerous right back now. He's playing with house money, great restrictor uh, plate guy. But I think the guys that are in the playoffs, I don't know how aggressive you are here. I think I mean, you're maybe trying to, your thing is, I don't want to get a DNF. I, I got to get points because all of a sudden, the crazy thing happened in Vegas, and now I get collected in the big one at, at Talladega. You know, Harvick and Hamlin; these guys have been great. What, what if, what if, what if Harvick gets taken out in the big accident and gets a DNF in here? Uh, you know, uh, this thing's upside down now. So I think the guys that uh, are out are the ones you're really looking for here. Like Logano's nuts; he don't care; he'll he'll go for it. But I look if you remember the Talladega race this spring, it was it, oh, I was sick. I had Al Marolo, and he was in sitting in, in like third. It's the last lap, and he gets the big run, and he ducks inside, and he just grazes the tail corner of front corner of Stenhouse's car because he had the slingshot, and he was going to win. He was going so fast, he got spun and finished third going sideways at the wire, if you remember that. Uh, but it was Blaney, Al Marola, and Stenhouse that were leading the pack there. Those three guys are right back in play here. And the other guy, my long shot play, I, I, those are all long shots, to be honest with you, uh, is DiBenedetto. DiBenedetto, and Bowman's found has some speed. Bowman's a little dangerous here in, in the rest of the way in the playoffs. But in this particular race, uh, DiBenedetto, I think, might get his first win here. Uh, so I, I think this is where you play prices because the big accident can take all the great cars out. Well, and of course, the last race in the round of 12 is on the Roval in Charlotte. So that's, you know, I mean, that the, the race at Vegas is when you need to make your hay because it's just a regular mile and a half track. Now mm-hmm. you get Talladega with all the craziness. Next week you get the Roval, and we know, you know, road well, courses can be a little bit weird. Some guys don't like them. If they're, fin- they're finishing this thing in Phoenix. Right. Adam, right? I mean, right. okay. If Harvick makes it, Harvick's winning. Yes. But all of a sudden now, Kurt Busch wins this race here. And then you got Talladega. Not so fast, right? I mean, Harvick's still going to. He's got enough bonus points to to probably yeah. make it on to the next round. But, right. you know. But, but, but crazy things. I mean. Oh, yeah. You, you got to get there. I, absolutely. You, you definitely have to get there. We got a highlight video for you here to finish up this Tuesday edition of ATS Radio, and that is taking a look at the Preakness Stakes. The post draw came out on Monday, accession number one, Mr. Big News two, art collector three, 
Swiss Skydiver, four thousand words, five. Jesus's team, six. Nye Traffic is seven. Max Player, eight. Authentic, the favorite, and a pretty big favorite at that at nine to five. He is in the ninth post. Pneumatic, ten, and Live Your Beast Life, eleven. And a lot of speed here in the Preakness. Usually the second leg of the Triple Crown. This year, the third leg of the Triple Crown. The big question here, Brian, can anybody beat Authentic? I would have said, yeah, and I'll tell you why. Authentic should be a walk over here. If you can, and he had to work to get the lead in the Derby. I mean, it wasn't like he came out of the gate and he got, he had to work to get the lead going into the first turn, got to the front. I would have expended too much energy and just kept going. Um, you know, tis the law wasn't his day. And I'll be sick to my stomach. Go ahead. Let him win. I had a Derby future in our collector, 35 to one. He would have been five to one in the Derby, uh, catches, I guess a, a fever, I guess he had, uh, or it was a slight foot problem. I thought it was a fever. Anyway, morning of the post-position draw of the Derby, after all these months, our collector's not going to run in the Derby. And I thought he had a monster shot to win the race. And he's in here. So that'll be the story of my life. It's happened to me before. Have a Derby future horse, doesn't run in the Derby, runs and wins the Preakness. Our collector absolutely is the one that can get the job done here if he's right uh, coming off the layoff. Uh, the first turn of this race is going to be really interesting. You throw the Philly Swiss Skydiver in there. Uh, I think she's going to go with Authentic. Shorter race, how hard they go. and I, But I think in the first turn, I would envision our collector in the catbird seat sitting third once they sort themselves out through the first turn. And I, I think our collector has a big shot to uh, pull up the upset. Um, if, By the way, if Authentic gets loose, clear, easy, easy lead into the first turn. I mean, you know, it's a shorter race. going to be a, just a really hard to track down. But I do think our collector can absolutely get it done. And I'm, I was looking. There was a closer I thought was of interest. I just had it. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah, Max Player. This is a Steve Asmussen horse, son of honor code. Uh, you know, this one raced in the Kentucky Derby, was fifth by seven lanes. Uh, I could see this one maybe, there's going to be so much speed. I think with a, a good trip, Max Player, 15-1 uh, to one with Paco Lopez would be the one I would use in the exotics to say to come up and round out tries. But I, I think, it's, to me, I think it's our collector and... Um, the one with the best shot and authentic. And I guess thousand words is kind of the one that maybe could upset the party a little bit. A very scary situation prior to the Kentucky Derby thousand words comes out in the paddock, gets kind of excited, flips yep. over, breaks a trainer's arm. That was the other Bob Baffert horse, you know, going in that race. And Florence Rue is a very, very good rider. What do you think about Thousand Words chances? I mean, is that one that, that maybe makes an appearance here? It, when you consider that both Thousand Words and Swiss Skydiver, six to one on the morning line, if you got a head-to-head matchup or something like that, what do you think about those two? Um, well, speed is usually the way to go in the Preakness. So Swiss Skydiver's the, the the faster horse. But I now you know when the Derby was coming up, I kind of gravitated. It's funny. I I thought of. 
I said, it's always the other horse, right? Authentic wins the race. I thought Thousand Words uh, was the one I liked better than Authentic, and, and that horse never got a chance to run that day. I think I think you're on to something here that, you know, you, you take a long, hard look at this horse. Um, and I think there's a level of versatility here. Um, the longer distance in the stalking style, I thought, was kind of advantageous in the Derby for Thousand Words. I think this race is going to be just a little too quick on the front end um, for Thousand Words. Like if Thousand Words is, is kind of chasing and might pack it in and a closer could come up and get the best of Thousand Words here. Um, and by the way, you know, eh, maybe it's a one-off, but it wasn't like there was a big crowd there. that, that This horse just freaked out uh, on Derby Day. So sometimes, you know, the horse, or some of these horses are real smart. Some of them are a box of rocks. You know, is that what you're getting every time this horse goes to the paddock? And maybe the one, maybe the one we're selling shorts to a skydiver because it's always interesting when a filly runs against the boys. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll ask you one last question here, just as sort of a general thought. Um, you know, I mean, this is this is pretty late in the three year old year for a lot of these uh-huh. horses because, I mean, yeah, you've got the Breeders' Cup, but. You know, I mean, we don't run triple crown races into late September, early October. So anything. You know. what, what, is, what does that mean for you? Well, the fact different. that these three-year-olds are, you know, a lot more mature than, than the three-year-olds usually are at this point in time. And it's not just physically, it's mentally. I mean, you know, the, there's a reason they, they, they school young horses at the starting gate. They want them, they want them to be comfortable in their surroundings. And, you know, it, it, in some horses, it just takes a long time. And then they get out there and, hey, I'm a veteran old pro. And then, you know, for whatever reason, three months ago, the horse is going to the gate and the basket case and looking around and what's going on. You know, now this time of year, maybe the horse goes, oh, yeah, it's race day. You know, now I know what I'm doing. Uh, you know, you try to get between the years of a 1,200-pound animal. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's the mental thing as much as it is the physical thing. Um, do, they give, do they give themselves... You know, it's like a trainer's trying to make all the changes to give them the chance to run their best race. Sometimes the horse itself negates that. The once they become more seasoned and professional, light bulb goes off, and a horse can change in a, at the end of a three-year-old campaign overnight. Well, a lot of good thoughts here on the Preakness Stakes on this highlight video for our ATS YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe to our ATS YouTube channel here, and also subscribe to get the full editions of the ATS Radio podcast on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. All right, with that, Brian, we'll finish up today's show. Anything else you want to mention before we sign off for today? Uh, Just the Masters. I saw a drone shot of Augusta National with the course all brown. Did you see that? No, that's disappointing. Oh, I was like, wait a minute. That's supposed to be like, it's like heaven on earth. It, it, it was just a golf course. No, you know, they're overseeding at this time of year. And it, it was funny. The greens the greens were green. The rest of the place, it was brown. I'm like, well, yeah, there's the pond. There's there's Race Creek. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. They said it'll be fine uh, when we get to uh, the Masters. But that's, that's something to watch for. Man, I hate saying this. I think um, the Shambo is going to be so hard to beat there. The air is going to be cooler, less daylight. The 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 course is going to play really long. And I I think the shamble walks in there is going to be a midfall. I think he starts with a four shot lead. I think he hits it over the trees on thirteen. He's got gap wedges coming in on the par five. 
I think he birdies it all four days and one day throw an eagle in there. I mean, that's a heck of a start. It definitely is. Maybe we'll talk some golf here next week because we got a couple of tournaments back-to-back in your backyard there uh, out in Sin City. But Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, how can people check out those two shows of yours? All right, Adam. Thanks, man. KSHP.com. There's a listen live function, noon to two Pacific time, Sportsbook Radio. Uh, today, Tony Neville, Treasure Island's coming in the studio for an hour. We get all the top sportsbook directors. If you're a hockey fan, I uh, think you'll really enjoy Vegas Hockey Hotline. Uh, it's a lot about the Golden Knights, but it, it's 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 basically hockey. It's from around the league. We had reports from Edmonton, um, incredible guests, and it's just a fun hockey show. And everything I put up on my Twitter, at Brian Blessing. Yeah, make sure you follow Brian on Twitter, at Brian Blessing. Brian, appreciate your time as always, buddy. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, Adam. Have a good week, bud. There you go. There's Brian Blessing again, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Follow him on Twitter, at Brian Blessing. I'll be back on the air once again on Thursday with Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper from bradpowersports.com. We'll talk college football and NFL as we head on into the weekend. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again on Thursday.